You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode 17. My biggest thing is to empower people that they have a choice on what their future is going to look like. For the majority of people out there, their decisions dictate their future. And if I can help guide that decision-making process by enlightening them to a whole new way of healthcare, then maybe I won't have to see them as much. And maybe they can tell me, call their friends and family and tell them they need to see me versus them meeting me. And I tell you what, the spiritual reward in that alone will allow me to stay in ministry, but might also help them accomplish that life that they want, that they have in their dreams. You know what I mean? Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered, it's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Sher. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, I just wanted to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health, allowing you to live with more purpose, more joy, and ultimately achieve the lasting health you've been looking for. It comes in many forms, of course, always talking about nutrition, but we can't forget about all the other aspects of life like stress, sleep, and even oral hygiene. Today on the show, we're going to dive into a topic of nutrition that is greatly overlooked. Something so many of us just deal with without fully understanding the impact it has on our body. That's right, today's episode is all about the mouth. In this episode, I'm excited to have a teacher of mine, someone who has opened my eyes to a new level of health, one that I've known was important and semi-controversial, but without fully grasping the full picture. He is a very wise and respectable man, father, husband, and holistic dentist, Dr. Ben Pospichel. Dr. Pospichel is a graduate of the University of Iowa College of Dentistry and owns his own practice where he provides the best dental care fully teaching and educating his patients on the impact of good health, helping them to further their health and their own choices. He is passionate about helping his patients to live their best lives. Today, I'll be asking Dr. Pospichel about the difference in holistic dentistry and why it's rare, the truth about mercury, if we should be using fluoride, what our mouth could be telling us about the rest of our body, and so much more. If you found yourself like me, just going to the dentist, getting a routine cleaning, and the occasional filling, not even understanding the impact that our mouth and our dental care is having on the rest of our body, you'll want to tune in. This stuff is fascinating. So let's dive right in. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks. Nice to see you. Nice to talk to you again, Alexa. Yeah. So I just wanted to start and I just wanted to kind of know your health journey. I think we all kind of have a story about how we got into health and what that meant to us. So can you just give us an idea of, you know, how you were raised and how you eventually became so excited and passionate about the holistic dentistry? Well, honestly, I was raised to, I was raised watching my mom floss her teeth and uh, she always had pretty good oral health and my father did too. So I really kind of just was raised thinking that going to the dentist was a regular thing and really didn't take much interest in, you know, being super particular about my teeth or anything like that growing up. But 
ended up landing in bi- biology class in college, thinking it would be fun to maybe go into the health field somehow, and ended up in dentistry. Uh, dentistry wasn't something that I had planned for my life. I had a cousin who was an oral surgeon, and he kind of said maybe I should take a look at it as a career option. So because I wanted to have some type of predictable future, I went ahead and busted busted up on the grades and <laughs> and made it into dental school, which was which was nice. But going through dental school really was more of a technical training. So we didn't have a whole lot of um, time or was there much effort put forth towards um, really trying to help people get healthier. Um, we were, it was heavily weighted in diagnostics and, you know, technical training on how to do crowns and how to do fillings and how to do dentures. But I still am remiss to even remember a lecture where we were talking about how to help motivate people to keep their teeth for a lifetime. Other than, you know, that you got to come to the dentist every six months for the rest of your life in order to keep your teeth. So um, about three or four years in the practice, I was um, getting already burnt out from doing disease care type dentistry and didn't even know it. And I stumbled upon a mentor now of mine. His name was Mike. His name is Mike Schuster. And he had a guest speaker at one of his um, symposiums that I was attending that talked to me about what it was like to practice holistic dentistry. And I had no idea what it was because I was just drill phone bill dental school dentistry stuff my entire career up to that point. And he just started asking questions about how I was feeling and how we were all feeling in the room. There was only about 12 dentists there. There were only about 12 dentists there. And I was at Schuster's whole program because I was already feeling burnt out and tired and Um, wanting to basically either give up or try something different with my life already after four years of practice because there wasn't much spiritual reward in always having people be sick that you need to fix. You know what I mean? Right. So so he, this guy, uh, Mike Robichaud, was talking about, you know, the symptoms of mercury toxicity, actually. And um, he was talking about how lethargy... um, sadness, uh, people who pull apart from people they love and care about, you know, things were starting to add up in my life and I'm going, wait a second, this should be an awesome life, right? Right. Why am I feeling someone who's like the most energetic person most of my friends know, feeling like after just eight hours of work that I want to go home and collapse on the couch for the rest of the night and not play with my kids and do things like that. And it just came to help. I may be having some type of exposure to this because really it's pretty unregulated in dentistry, the use of mercury. Right. And I was doing those fillings regularly and, and I was drilling them out regularly. And I don't know necessarily that I was getting mercury toxic or anything. I've never taken a mercury toxicity test on myself. But I was feeling like I better, if I'm going to do this for 25, 30 more years, it might be wise for me to protect myself. Right. Just in case, just in case there is a problem with it, right? Mm -hmm. Because we didn't think there was a problem with lead pain either back in the 70s or whatever, right? Right. So 
my all my staff is are in their twenties. My the the ladies who work chair side with me, and I said, well, maybe I should protect them too. I mean, if I'm going to protect myself, it doesn't make sense that they wouldn't be protected, right? Right. Because they're in baby making years, you know. And so, I just looked at what he does for his mercury safe practice and and biologic practice, and he just does a few things that are recommended by the IAOMT, which is the um, uh, Association of International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. And there's a list of dentists there, and they have a whole list of things that dentists can do to, should this be a serious thing that is going on, because it's very hard to detect mercury toxicity in people, how dentists can protect themselves and their patients and their staff from being exposed to it if there's a problem with it, you know? Right. So I started doing those things, and I did see a noticeable change over time over the last all three and a half years that I've been doing it, um, a noticeable difference in my own energy levels and things like that. So I said, well, maybe there's some something to it. I haven't ever studied it, Alexa, to be honest with you. I haven't right. studied my own body or anything, but I just kind of going off of what my body's telling me is that this is probably the right thing for me, my staff and my patients to be doing. So that's kind of how it all started. And, and um, I would say that, as an as an adjunct to that, the what happened was a whole new door and a whole new world of people who want to feel more safe and less than the burdens on our bodies opened up for me and my practice. Like there's a whole whole section of society that wants to be more natural, right? And 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 take the burdens off of our bodies. So it, it, my practice grew just because I was trying to save myself and my staff, to be honest. Right. And it was a big eye-opener for me. So that's the way it all worked out. Right. And I want to get back into Mercury and a little bit later, but before we get there, mm-hmm. I think what's been so eye-opening is I'm also a client of Dr. Papashell. And one thing that has really been awesome for me to experience is like knowing that dentistry is good and well and you know but I was just fix what was going on never really getting to the rut and it was there that I got eye open to hey maybe there's something deeper going on like maybe we should just take care of the root of the problem and do you think that's what separates holistic dentistry from just natural or typical dentistry and the fact that you're actually helping people to see okay why do you get so many cavities you know why do you have a root canal you're really trying to figure out the true reason behind that Yes, I think that's the biggest, single biggest hurdle that dentistry has to jump over in the next, in this next half century is we have to help people understand why they acquired the disease in order for them to ever truly be healthy. And that's, that's the big thing that I feel like was glossed over and quickly discussed maybe in dental school. Mm -hmm. It was why are you acquiring this? How can we stop it for the future? If if I just tell you you have to brush more and floss more, that's you're going to get the same reaction as a teenager when you tell him to clean his room. He might do it because you're yelling at him, right, mm-hmm. to clean his room. And he does it once or twice, and then in a couple of weeks, it's dirty as it was and stinky as it was before. That doesn't help motivate people long term. So 
the the biggest thing that I have begun to do in my practice is one to have a pre preclinical interview with patients to tell them or to ask them what their history has been in their in their own life and in their family, and then beyond that, what do they have as a desired future for themselves? We, oftentimes, you know, we just think our teeth are our teeth, and we just go with it, right? Well, our teeth are meant. I believe in design to last a hundred years or more. And if they're not lasting that long, there's something that we're doing to them that's causing them to do that. They're one of the most commonly perfectly formed organs in the human body. Right. And it's not by, and it's not by mistake because if we can't eat, we can't live. If we can't eat the foods we were designed to eat because of loss of teeth, then we just, then I, I see it happen all the time. We just start to rot from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And, and so if I can show patients examples of what people live like and the le- different levels of health that people live at, I mean, from all the way level one people whose teeth are rotting out of their head, all the way up to level four people who don't need a dentist in their life at all, and show them where they sit in that spectrum so they can make a decision that's in line with the values that they've created by talking to me about it. Right. Because most people have never even thought about it. They mm-hmm. said, well, geez, I just go, I've just always gone to the dentist and he checks for cavities and I walk out of there. If I have a cavity, I have it fixed. That leads to tooth loss because 70% of people go to the dentist that go to the dentist still lose multiple or all their teeth in their lifetime. Why is that? Right. That's a frightening because statistic. Spend, because we're not spending the time to help them get beyond their disease. We're just, we're filling a cavity. And filling a cavity is like giving you a medicine. And people listening to this podcast probably aren't really into the traditional medical format. Uh, medicines are, in my, in my opinion, a worthy and they are a necessary thing for acute issues. I mean, I, I can't say that antibiotics aren't something that are, are something that has saved many people in this, in this country and in this world. But what I'm saying is for chronic disease, me giving you a filling isn't going to save your teeth. Right. You see, you have to save your teeth. You have to have a deeper understanding of what's going on in your mouth so that you can make a conscious decision either to save them or not to save them. And then it's yours to own. And I don't have to own it anymore. And when, if Dennis would simply do that, I, I really honestly feel like the amount of depression in dentistry, the amount of suicide in dentistry, the amount of divorces in dentistry, I really truly believe all that pressure on the dentist would be relieved when we get away from disease care and into true health care, like you've experienced in the office. It's a different feel, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's just something completely different. And so, you know, patients have to own their own mouth. They have to see examples of where they live. In other words, in short, this is what needs to happen. They need to see where they live in that spectrum so that they can make decisions that are in line with the values that they form for themselves. And until I do that, until they see pictures, they won't know and they're relying on their trust in me. Right. Which, that's a heavy burden to bear. Mm-hmm. I think it's much easier for the patient to then make the decisions after they've seen their condition, you know. 
So it's a different, it's a different, totally different thing. It takes a lot more time too, doesn't it, Alexa? Yeah. The first interview yeah, in your yeah, office yeah. took a long time. It was like an hour probably. Mm-hmm. And after I, d- I went through all of that because I, I mean, to admit it, like I've had really bad teeth considering that I'm in the nutrition field and live an otherwise healthy life. So it was just, it was cool mm-hmm. to get to the point where my gums are bleeding when I go in the office and you know, not really understanding what's going on, but just believing that, oh, it was just because I was pregnant and I had three babies and apparently that's a common symptom. And, you know, like it just got too painful to brush when I was pregnant. And and through all of that, it just led to really bad gums and in the end, really bad teeth. And then just getting to the rut and, I mean, not a couple months later coming in and it was totally different. So yeah, um, like I, I give you a high five and the hygiene share because there's no bleeding in her mouth. I, yeah. <laughs> right. Huge. And, yeah. And, and it's spiritually rewarding for you too. Oh yeah. When to, you're healthy. Right. The thing that I tell patients all the time is that it sounds counterintuitive for me to not want you to have disease because that's what a dentist practice is built on is fixing teeth. Right. Right. But, when somebody gets healthy to the point where they need me less in their life, they become the biggest advocates for the dental practice of anybody. So I don't want you to be sick forever. Right. You know what I mean? Once you come in, you might be sick when you come in, but I don't want you to be sick forever because that's spiritually unrewarding for both of us. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And that, just like your podcast notes say, I mean, it is seriously looking for the simplicity in health with a strong desire to grow your, their, your own health and find more joy in life. Who wants to go to the dentist and get teeth filled? Who wants to get a shot and have bleeding gums and sore gums? No one wants that. And the downstream ramifications of a healthy of a of a sick mouth are are copious. The downstream systemic ramifications, which is something probably you're going to ask me about later. Mm-hmm. So getting into that. When you think about dentistry, and, and like you said, I liked how you said that if your teeth are rotting, you're kind of rotting from the inside out, which is so true because it's the starting point of all digestion. And it's really been believed lately that, you know, digestion kind of runs our body. It kind of distinguishes a healthy body from maybe one that has more disease. And so when we look at the digestive tract, obviously the mouth is the first place that things enter, whether it's air, food, you know, bacteria, viruses. So it really is a critical piece of that. What do you think is true about how oral health affects total health? Well, I have a thing on my website, and it's just a little statement that's that's something to the effect of the, when a dentist looks in your mouth, he's looking at a microcosm of what's going on in the rest of your body. And it's kind of a two-way street. I, I feel like when I look in someone's mouth, I can instantly tell if they have systemic issues going on. and their their oral condition, whether that's tartar being built up on the, on teeth, no matter how much oral hygiene the patient how good oral hygiene the patient has, things like that can tell me, oh my gosh, this patient has high systemic calcium levels. Why is that? And it can lead to further things in, about systemic pH and things like that. And high, you know, acidic pHs in the human body lead to overgrowth of bacteria, the bacteria that love to cause disease in humans love the acidic environment. And I think in, in, in Americans, especially our diets are so heavily burdened with processed foods and sugars and carbohydrates and things that 
all promote acidic conditions in the human body. And we largely, except probably for, as our generation is, is coming to light on this Alexa, um, the, it's largely based off of colorless foods. Mm. Um, we get, we get to foods that have color and the things that are really foods like green vegetables. And Dr. Walls talks about this in a lot of her, um, in a lot of her talks, you know, vegetables from the different colors category. We have to eat, we have to eat things like that because those provide the alkaloids for balancing acidity in our, acidity in our bodies. So, People who have a very low vegetable diet are often chronically sick in the mouth and sick in the body. I mean, it's it's un- unprecedented how many times I've seen it where people who have a, a poor diet also have extra, besides having a sick mouth, have extra systemic conditions, sometimes in their 20s and 30s being treated with chronic medication. Right. And so... You know, it comes down to uh, the, the the mouth is a little microcosm of the rest of the body. And if I can look at it and see beyond what I was, I was taught in dental school, not just, hey, you have plaque on your teeth, you need to floss more. Hey, you have cavities, you need to brush better. And get beyond just that, because as I told you before, that doesn't motivate people. Right. Their dentist has been saying that to them forever, and they're still, they still have a cruddy mouth, right? So what I really want to get to is what your life is going to look like if you don't get this under control. And most of the people don't like what that life is going to look like. Mm-hmm. And, and they have a choice to make. And the choice isn't easy at first to have a healthier diet, to eat the foods we were designed to eat. It seems expensive. It seems, oh gosh, I got to go to the store again because all I ran out of all my my natural foods, and you can't just open up your closet and take something that's been meant to last in your in your pantry for you know two or three years. That's not food, right? You see what I'm saying? Right. You know, those types of things aren't really food, so you know it's a lot easier to keep those in our lives and have something that's quick and easy to make, and we shove it down our mouths and we shove it down our kids' mouths every day because it's easy. And we're burdened with stress and time constrictions all the time. But if we can really dedicate ourselves to eating a better diet, the health ramifications, the doctor's visits, the chronic medication expenses, those tend to write themselves. Right. And it happens all the time. I've seen, just like I was talking about our generation, I've seen people in our generation in their 30s, they are on chronic medication and say, this is enough is enough after coming to terms with the way they've been living, whether that's from us having a conversation or them running into a functional medicine doctor or something. And they've completely gotten off of medications simply by changing their, their lifestyle. They don't need medications to survive. I don't think we were designed to need medications to live. And, uh, and once we get that, right in our heads, we can then translate that to our bodies. Right. So the bacteria in our mouth, I mean, obviously, is it's good and bad. It's a balance, just like everywhere else in our body. So by mm-hmm. fixing the health of our mouth, we can then see in time other issues in our body kind of be restored as well, because it's just kind of starting to fix the piece of the puzzle. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, you can see that 
there are already there have been studies for a lot of since I've been in dental school and before that um, in the periodontal disease research um, that's out there that I mean bacteria from the oral cavity is is a major contributor to blocked arteries in the heart. Mm. So like if someone like just dies of a heart attack, right? We put a toe tag on them and say myocardial infarction. Right. But is that really what killed them? Mm-hmm. Or was it way further upstream than that? Could it have been something that could have been stopped easy for no money? It doesn't mm-hmm. take money to be healthy. Right. Other than to buy healthy foods. Mm-hmm. But for no money, all it takes is effort and a change in the mentality someone could have lived. Mm-hmm. And and you know those bacteria that are floating around catching on your your valves and your heart or in and your arteries in your heart are floating around your whole body it's a systemic burden that's always there and those bacteria aren't the kind you want and we don't want bacteria in our bloodstream but untreated gum disease makes teeth mobile te- mobile teeth or they can it's kind of like an injection every time the teeth are chewed on of bacteria into the bloodstream and it's the most common disease of man yet the most easily preventable i feel like that was really eye-opening when you told me that when your gums are bleeding like this that's like your direct channel to your bloodstream like everything in your mouth is just going into your bloodstream and i was like yeah Mm -hmm. it just kind of clicked with me yeah this is not good and it was more than just oh your gums are bleeding so you know try this or this or this, which like you said, is just kind of like a teenager who you tell to clean their room. Oh, it doesn't really mean anything to me because it's not under, mm-hmm. it's not helping me to understand. It's, I'm a really big believer that knowledge is power. And the more clarity we have, the more likely we are to make those changes. And I hope that this is what this podcast will do is just to help clear the air and help people understand that this really is a big deal. And it does cause systemic issues in our body because just opening our eyes to that and knowing that it's more than just getting your cavities filled because that's what we've been told we should do. Um, and that really mm-hmm. is a starting point of oral health. So this is awesome. So if we go back to mercury, mercury mm-hmm. is becoming a really big subject in the world of health with heavy metal toxicity. Is it assumed that if you have an amalgam filling, you also have some level of toxicity? Well, what I talk to my patients about is that Mercury fillings, they've been used in dentistry since the 1800s. And they were kind of devised by barber dentists way back then. And they've been used in dentistry for a very long time with very little change to the um, to what's inside of them and what they're composed of because they have to be a packable a packable metal, basically. Mm-hmm. So they re- it's required, and there there's not one that I've ever heard of type of silver filling in anybody's mouth that isn't at least 50% mercury. So I just at that point let patients decide what it is that they want. Um, mercury is what it is. It's not something that we don't know that it's not. We everybody knows that it's not that it's a heavy metal, right? Right. Right. Everybody knows not to play with it. So, you know, I have patients say, I just ask patients, "Are you okay with it?" And if you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. But if you're not okay with it, I'm happy to help you lessen that burden on your body if you want to. And it's not a manipulation in any way. 
is simply go home and do the research that you want to have. Tell me about the mouth that you desire to have, and I will help you get there. Um, I personally don't place mercury fillings, and I personally take mercury fillings out in a safe way because I feel like if we're talking about a neurotoxin, that I don't really want to be exposed to it no matter what form it's in. I don't care if, it, if everybody in the world says it's safe. I don't want to be sitting there sniffing it. Right. And I don't want to be having it touching me. And I believe that people don't either. They were just never even told what the composition was. Right. They, it was assumed that the dentist just does what the dentist is supposed to do. And I just have him, have him do the cheapest filling he can do and we just do it. Right. Right. Well, no one ever signed on the dotted line for mercury fillings. I have asked several people, did you sign like a, something that said that you were okay with having mercury, 50% mercury filling in your mouth? They go, no, they're silver fillings. <laughs> so they're like 20% silver or even less. Right. It, every single one is 50% mercury. So when they hear that, and it, it's just the truth, I and mean, it's, it's readily available information that's on any any container of amalgam fillings for dentists, it says 50% mercury by weight on every single package that's out there that I've ever seen. So patients don't like that feeling. They're like, what? what? It was the wool pulling over my eyes on this one? Not necessarily. It's what we learned in dental school. Right. We learned that this was all fine. And I'm not telling you that it isn't fine. I'm telling you that you tell me what it is you want in your mouth and I will help you get it there. I personally believe that, that we have better materials out there and we have for a long time that are less risky in my mind mm -hmm. than that. Now I'm not saying I can't, I'm not saying that I've cured anybody's cancer by taking out their mercury fillings or that I've, you know, helped somebody avoid ALS or Parkinson's or dementia. Right. Because it's very difficult to ascertain if someone were to heal from those things, that it was directly linked to those mercury fillings you took out and now I'm, I'm a healed person. That's not my, really my goal. Mm -hmm. My goal is that we have in this country, especially exposure in so many ways to so many things that our bodies have to, have to expel from the inside out because we don't get a choice on whether we're breathing air with, pesticide in it you know when the, mm -hmm. when the boom trucks are spraying corn crops all over we don't have a choice at this time whether or not we drink fluoride in our water every day and every sip that we take we don't have a choice on a lot of things air quality wise and copious other things so if if a patient has a choice to take one of those burdens off their shoulders and it's in the form of mercury and it's something that I could do and do it with ethical clarity, then I'm happy to do that. Right. And that's kind of the way I've, I've gone forward with it. I'm not, I don't want to get in a fighting match with people who believe in mercury fillings. Um, I don't, I don't sit there and, you know, try to tell them they're doing the wrong thing. I don't want patients to believe that their dentist is a bad person ever because they place mercury fillings. For me, it was where once I was blind, now I can see. Right. So maybe we maybe we should um, have education about dental materials from the standpoint in dental school that we are actually taught about what the future is going to be for dentistry because this won't last. 
it already has been banned in several European countries and even third world countries don't use it. Why are we still using it in America? Mm-hmm. You know, as, as the primary back to filling material. Right. It's, so um, anyway, there's better stuff out there. Seric porcelain technology has been around for a long time. You don't have to do full coverage crowns and stuff for all the time. And, and so there's strong materials out there. I don't buy that there aren't strong enough materials out there to do fillings. So is it just a that's cost kind of my, thing? That's kind of my take on it. Yeah. Is it just a cost thing but, then? Is it just, I mean, they still use it because it's what they it's would consider the cheap. Yeah. It's the cheapest material. And it lasts a really long time because it's metal, right? Right. <laughs> of course, it lasts a long time. It's metal. But it is just metal shoved into a hole. So I see lots of other downstream, again, ramifications of using mercury fillings besides that they're mercury. Um, there are other problems with teeth getting star cracks and them and pieces of teeth bro- breaking off and things like that over time. And that's just uh, that's a function of other things, grinding the teeth and, you know, lots of things that we're not taught enough about in dental school that lead to fracture of teeth. But mercury fillings, unbonded fillings, in other words, are are also a contributing factor. So I think there's just better stuff. Everything I use is bonded, you know, bonded to the tooth. Right. It's just a step in prevention, really. I mean, that's how I look at, you know, mercury is just like, if you choose to get it taken out or choose to have a different method, it's just a step in prevention or, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a piece of the puzzle. It's not the entire picture of, and I think that we can say that in health in general, like there's not one thing that's going to heal or cure someone. It's really just a lifestyle change, which is multiple different forms, which is one of the reasons uh-huh. I have so much respect for you is that it's not just brushing and flossing. It's how you live your life and, and the things that you do. And even in my dentistry, like in the, and what you taught me was, you know, I'm a mouth breather. And so even the air that, you know, breathing through my mouth all night can cause uh-huh. plaque buildup. And so it's not just brushing and flossing. Like I was opened my eyes to so many other things. And of course, diet and anyone who talks about nutrition and the first visit like always wins me over. But, you know, talking about all that stuff is really important. But before we get into how we can help, I just want one more controversial topic, fluoride. Sure. Fluoride's a really touchy okay. subject and it's in a lot of people's drinking water. A lot of people don't have the option, but, you know, like even this year at school, my daughter got sent home a note that they could get fluoride at school, you know, what, what is your take on fluoride? Most people listening to this are probably going to think I'm crazy, but I don't know the last time we gave a fluoride treatment to somebody in our office. Right. And, um, fluoride to me is a medication. It is, it is something that we have discovered can replace calcium in the teeth on people who have teeth that are demineralized and about ready to get a full-blown cavity in them. Mm. So it is essentially a, a something that we have developed and found replaces that ion on our teeth and can strengthen our teeth back up. But the problem is with that is now we're assuming in this country that everybody needs that. Right. And I don't think we were designed to need to have fluoride medication. I mean, I don't feel like it should personally don't feel like it needs to be in everybody's water in the whole United States as a, as a, as a health, a health benefactor, because 
I don't know about you, but if I go to the doctor, I don't want him prescribing me Lipitor just as a preventative measure so I don't have high cholesterol. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, so it makes total sense. It comes, yeah. It, it, to me, it should be a choice that we make. If we want to use that as a panacea to all of our dental problems, we're going to be severely disappointed. Mm-hmm. And and I would say the evidence of that lives in this statistic I told you about all those people who go to the dentist all the time and still lose their teeth. Right. We will not get people healthy in dentistry or in medicine until people own why they have disease to begin with. Mm -hmm. And they own it because most of the time, because of their behavior. I mean, and I'm a a spiritual person. I don't believe God made us to fail like that. Mm -hmm. I believe that we choose to treat ourselves in certain ways that we put us at risk of disease. Now there are people on every, on both ends of that bell curve. Okay. But the majority of people, it's our behaviors that, that dictate our mm-hmm. health. Right. And so there, there definitely, of course, there will be people with genetic disorders and there will be people with, you know, different things. For example, people who maybe, well, we've talked about it a little bit, people who have to work to close their lips, right? Mm-hmm. That's a genetic That's a genetic thing about how long someone's lips are. Yes, that will lead to mouth breathing, and that could lead to some higher risk, but ultimately you still can't get the cavity without having plaque on your teeth. Mm-hmm. So I don't care how much mouth breathing someone's doing, you can't get the disease unless the bacteria is there. You right. see what I'm saying? So if we clean off the bacteria... We can still have an open mouth, you know, mouth breathing situation and still not get cavities. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So really it's, it, some people might have to try harder than others, but, um, and you know, I've heard that thousand or a hundred times in my practice where the little sister is constantly brushing and flossing her teeth and gets five cavities every six months. And the, the little dirty brother that stinks and never brushes his teeth never has any cavities. And that is something that is where we start doing things like acid testing and things like that to help them figure out why their mouth is more prone to cavities than someone else's. It's probably something systemic at that point. Right. So, you know, the, the fluoride controversy is, is rife with, uh, with examples on both sides of, you know, whether it's good for us or bad for us, I just feel like personally that we should be able to make that choice for ourselves. Right. And when we put it in our water supply and stuff, that, when we put it in our water supply and things, that just means that we just absolve ourselves of choice on what we we have in our, it, we put in our bodies. Mm. Um, you know, whether it's a, I mean, it's a neurotoxin, that t- type of type of discussion is a little bit of testy water. Of course, fluoride um, type chemicals have been used for different types of warfare in the past. That is not what I believe the reason is, reasoning is for putting it in our waters. I don't think people are trying to poison us or anything. I just feel like it's a medication. It needs to be used for people who need the medicine in my mind, it should be used very short term and 
once the patient has taken it upon themselves to start acting in a way that upholds their health rather than puts them constantly in disease care, then they can absolve themselves also from fluoride. Right. It made total sense when you say it's it's kind of like a medication. So it'd be like if we put amoxicillin in our water, just a small dose trying right. to prevent, I mean, it wouldn't make any sense to most of us. So yeah. Um, and, and that's seriously what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And just because it's in the mouth and just because we've been doing it for so long, it's in everybody's toothpaste and everybody's water, every dental visit, because it's become so common we think it's normal. Right. And common and normal are two different things. Mm-hmm. Just because it's common doesn't mean it's right. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I to- so. it totally makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, moving out of the controversial subjects, I mean, I think you've really nailed them to a T and clarity is power, but what are some of the nutritional tips? And we've kind of already covered a little bit, but tips and advice you can give us to maintain or regain our oral health. Um, you know, when I, when I talk to a patient and this is a big, this is a big question I always ask in a preclinical interview, I ask them whether or not they want to keep their teeth. And how many people do you think tell me they want to keep their teeth? I've got to be close to everyone, right? Close to everyone, right? Yeah. And so then I say, well, well, what are you doing to assure that you're going to keep your teeth? And they say, well, I brush twice a day and I go to the dentist every six months. And I shake their hand. And I say, "Congratulations!" So does so do most. So does most everybody else. And still, what seventy percent of people lose multiple or all their teeth? And then I say, "Do you ever floss your teeth?" And most people say, "Ah, darn it, not a good flosser." That's one thing. I'm not a good flosser. And then I show them a little model that shows the teeth from the top and how they have just as much surface area between the teeth as what it is that you're brushing. And I asked them if I could turn that tooth that you haven't flossed in a month sideways and have you put your tongue on it and taste it, do you think you'd like what you taste? Mm. And they always make this face like they're about ready to throw up. Right. (laughs) And say, well, because it's like if you haven't brushed your teeth in a month and you lick your teeth, you're going to be grossed out, right? Right. They say, yeah. And I said, there's just as much that you're missing as that you're getting when when all you're doing is brushing your teeth. Right. And so, and I also use this, this as a, as a statement in my, in my preclinical is you, me telling you to floss and you trying to floss doesn't make you a good flosser. The flossing has to be coached. Mm-hmm. It's as much a skill as shooting a free throw on a basketball court. You have to be coached how to do it correctly in order to make the baskets. Everybody can shoot a free throw, right? Mm-hmm. You could throw it up over your head. You could throw it up backwards. You could do a granny style. But who's going to make them? The person who uses the right technique. Right. And it's the same with flossing. Our our hygienists and dentists should be hearing this, have to be coaches. They can't just be dictators on what people have to do in their life. Mm-hmm. They have to coach a patient and have the patient show them how to care for their teeth and how to floss and show them where they're doing it wrong or else we're missing, we're completely doing the same thing over and over and expecting something else to happen. Mm-hmm. And by evidence of the statistic I told you, it, nothing good's happening. Not that much good stuff's happening. Right. So 
we have to change it from the ground up. What we learn in dental school is technical training. We have to train it from the outside. But as far as nutrition goes, I've already alluded to um, the nutritional laxity in our society with the the lack of whole foods. Um, Really, what people need to think about doing is shopping around the outside of a grocery store and really trying to look at their cart when they're done and see whether they feel good about it. Because on a superficial level, if we go to the grocery store when we're hungry, we're going to pick up everything good and bad that you can dream of. Go to the grocery store full and then start really making decisions that are good for you and your family. And the, the best decisions are the colored foods. Right. And, you know, Dr. Walls probably has alluded to this in, in her talks with you. Maybe she has, maybe she hasn't, but um, she was a vegetarian. I, 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 I myself, I'm a meat eater. I hunt. I, I eat venison as my primary um, meat that I eat. But I think there is major value. Humans are omnivores um, from what I can see in our jaws and the way our teeth are designed to work. Um, we are we're remarkable in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the omnivorous ca- uh, characteristics of our teeth and our jaws are meant to do that. Now, I'm not trying to sway anybody from being a vegetarian or vegan. They're free. It's America. You can do what you want to. But that is another part of, of whole body nutrition that I believe is, is an integral one. And if you're not getting it through meat, it's very important that you find it in other ways. Mm-hmm. So that's that type of stuff's out of my uh, out of my. You're the nutritionist there, <laughs> Alexa. You can you can do that part for me. I'll stick to yeah. the teeth after that. Yeah, no, but one thing I I have so much respect for you is when you go in, into your office, it's an education session. Like you're not just there to treat our teeth, but you're really teaching people about the whole body and every element that kind of comes together to do that. And I'm a really big believer that it's not, you know, I'm a nutritionist, but it's not just the food we eat, it's dentistry. And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. how we live our life and our lifestyle choices and how we sleep. And it's really just an entire picture coming together. So just bringing light to that, I think it's it's really awesome. So just to kind of wrap it up, I have two more questions. One is, what is the single most important thing you think everyone should be doing for their health? Well, my go-to statement that has really... Um, or question statement that has really connected me and gotten me the deeper reaction from patients is what do you have as a desired future? Mm-hmm. Because people live in this society for today and what might happen tomorrow. They rarely think about what's going to, what their life is going to be like 20, 30, 40 years from now. And You better darn well know that a 50-year-old today has a lot more life ahead of them than they think they have. Mm -hmm. And what do they, one of the last things we're going to do on this earth is have a meal. Mm -hmm. Besides breathing and swallowing and blinking our eyes, one of the last things we're going to do on this earth is have a meal. And I really connect with people, especially people who've dealt with familial tooth loss. Grandpa had dentures. Mom and dad have dentures. I know I'm going to have dentures. Guess what? Their thoughts are going to become their reality. Mm -hmm. So if I 
gloss over their answer to that and say, well, let's check your teeth and see if you're right. That is a horrible disservice to my patients because we are not genetically programmed to fail. And if anybody believes that, then again, their thoughts will become their realities and their behavior is what ends up dictating it, that it becomes true. Mm -hmm. So I, my biggest thing is to empower people that they have a choice in whether or not they're going to be and what their future is going to look like. Some people don't, some people, things happen, but for the majority of people out there, their decisions dictate their future. And if I can help guide that decision-making process by enlightening them to a whole new way of healthcare, then maybe I won't have to see them as much. Mm-hmm. And maybe they can tell, call their friends and family and tell them they need to see me versus them meeting me. And I tell you what, the spiritual reward in that alone will allow me to stay in ministry, but might also help them accomplish that life that they want, that they have in their dreams. You know what I mean? Right. And until people say it to you, you can say it to them all day long. But until they verbalize what it is they have as a desired future, and they say, I want my teeth. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, a light flicks on in their head, and they actually said that. No one's ever made them say that, ever. Mm-hmm. They've been passive about it forever in their life. When they say that, something changes. And when I asked you that question, something changed. Right. In your head, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's my go-to thing. I know it was a long answer, but I tell you what, it makes my eyes water because it, it, it really has been over once I was blind. Now I can see I can do this dentistry thing for a long time now. Right. I but think, I wasn't seeing it that way. Right. And I think what you've hit on numerous times is your body's not failing you. We're kind of failing our bodies in a way by not understanding that it's really not a fight. And I think that's so... You know, like when I when I looked at my body, you know, one of the, the worst things when I came to you was my teeth, you know, in, in general. And I looked at my health, you know, I otherwise pretty healthy, but I really did mm-hmm. have poor oral hygiene. Like I didn't have poor oral hygiene. I just had poor, uh, what do I want to say? Dental health. And uh, well, you, you had you had never had somebody tell you, feel your teeth with your tongue. Right. Feel that. If you feel that they're grimy, guess what? They are. You know, and that's totally something that's removable. I have so many people who've never even licked their teeth before. Right. <laughs> My goodness gracious, you haven't? <laughs> the only thing that can tell you whether or not your teeth are clean is your tongue. Right. <laughs> your lips can't even tell you that. And so just something small like that could completely change somebody's life forever. I mean, think about it. You get a cavity when you're 12 years old on a permanent tooth. How many times do you have to deal with that tooth for the rest of your life now? Forever. Every 10 years, another filling. You know what I mean? Or, you know, every, it turns from a filling to a filling on the backside, to a crown, to a root canal, to a lost tooth, to an implant. Thousands and thousands of dollars just because you got that first cavity on your tooth. Way back when you didn't care about them. You just thought that they were just teeth and I just eat with them. You know? So much much bigger than that. So, so much bigger than that. Right. 
So before we go, last question, what is that breakdown step-by-step thing that should be your oral hygiene daily checklist kind of thing? Like what should we be doing daily for our oral hygiene? Well, obviously brushing your teeth, right? Right. But brushing your teeth, like I said, people feel like a monkey could brush his teeth, right? Right. Brushing your teeth and getting plaque off of your teeth are two different things. I mean, I've seen tons of kids who come in and say, yeah, I just brushed my teeth. And you disclose their teeth for plaque and their teeth are purple with plaque. Brushing and removing plaque are two different things. Plaque is that stuff, that white stuff that grows on your teeth that feels slimy or hair or like fuzzy on your teeth. It can grow within hours of eating something sugary or carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. Um, Because carbohydrates are just long chain sugars that your saliva breaks down into simple sugars. So that's the first stage of digestion for humans is saliva with the, the salivary enzymes that break down sugars or complex sugars into simple sugars. So really, that plaque um, very, very quickly. And the biggest key is removing plaque. Right. Actually, you don't, even have to remove, you don't even have to remove it. You just have to disrupt it. Mm. So I tell people all the time that you really don't have to brush every bacteria out of your mouth and you know do mouthwashes and all this stuff. Bacteria are going to reinfest your mouth. The key is, is you can't let them build a home. Mm-hmm. You have to knock down their house every day. And if you knock down their house, they can't get a hold and they can't produce the toxic acids that are, that they release after they eat the carbohydrates that, that you consume. So if you can knock down the plaque every day and not allow it to mature its colony, then you really don't even need toothpaste. Right. I mean, you can brush with your shirt sleeve and floss every day and still live a cavity-free life, especially if you're eating the things we're supposed to eat, which aren't tons of sugar and tons of carbohydrates and, you know, things like that. I mean, not that you can't, we're not supposed to have any of those things, but we weren't really designed to have them to the level that we have in our country. So, you know, as far as the regimen goes, I brush my teeth and floss. Mm-hmm. And I eat a healthy diet. Three things, the simplest things, and the, the, the same things you've always been told to do. But I do it like a pro. Right. And so that's what I try to do is I try to teach my patients to be professional cleaners of their own mouth. Mm-hmm. And if, if we can do that, eat a healthy diet, listen to our bodies when it's telling us something is wrong. And I told you this when you came in, if your gums bleed, red blood comes out. Mm-hmm. it's red. Red elicits a negative response to our brain. So I don't care who says, well, my gums are just always bled. When they see the blood, they don't like it. Mm-hmm. But they still just go on, well, they do it every time I do it. And they start to think that common means normal. Right. Just because it's common in our life, that it's normal to, for your gums to bleed. And that's far from the truth. Red means dead. It means stop. Something's wrong. Right. So, and it would be no different than if any other area in your body, you touched it and it started bleeding. Mm -hmm. You would not like that. Your gums should be the same way. So oral hygiene regimen wise, it's very simple. It's the simplest thing for anybody to do is to take care of their mouth. Right. But 
the more dentistry you have in there, the harder it is to care for. So let's just keep our natural teeth. How about that? Well, I, I think that sounds great. I think everyone would be on board for that. Thank you so much sure. for being on the show. This was honestly such a, a wealth of knowledge. And I know that so many people are going to be benefited from this. So I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Alexa. You take care and thanks yeah. for calling on me. I hope you found that show to be just as inspiring as I did the first time I walked into Dr. Papachel's office. My eyes were wide and my mind was blown. So much health, all in just the basics of oral hygiene. So I could ramble on about takeaways from the show, but really it boils down to brushing and flossing and good nutrition, which comes in all forms. I've created a printable on a few additional tricks of the trade for getting the healthiest and cleanest mouth. Most importantly, one that is helpful in reducing cavities. The handout is all about oil pulling and how to make your own oil pulling tabs. If you'd like to download this, it's free and can be found at simplerootsradio.com slash 017. Remember, we are all our own advocate and we really have no one to blame for our health rather than ourselves. I love the quote Dr. Papachel made that medicine will not get people healthy until they own why they have the disease to begin with. We have to take control, take charge of our own health if we want it. This doesn't mean a quick fix, but really becoming self-aware, owning what is going on, and taking a stand for better health. It's always one day at a time. All of the information and links from today's show can be found at the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 017. So much wisdom, but remember, small change creates big results. Keep asking yourself, questioning yourself, and getting to the root of the matter. Deal with the emotions, the pain, and through this, you are able to create lasting change. I want to leave you with another one of Dr. Papachel's quotes. Our bodies are not designed to fail. And what if we chose to believe that? To believe that our body wasn't fighting against us, that it actually was for us and wanted to be healthy. What would change? Ask yourself those questions this week and start believing that there is a way to get in harmony with your body. And then and only then will you experience lasting health. Until next time, just brush and floss and have a great week.